Chapter 31 Renée's Night Out When the procession finally made its way into Nineveh, it created quite a stir. Merchants loved it when soldiers on horseback arrived. They were the sons of wealthy land barons, and they always carried royal credit cards. Every man of means owned one of these clay cylinders of credit. Everyone but René and Sadat. The chariots stopped in front of Ishtar's temple at the highest point in Nineveh. René jumped out to return to his original place, in the lead chariot, and followed the men and horses to the barn. He was in a hurry to put his things away. This would be his first chance to go out for the night with his pals in a new city. But he couldn't get out of his armor. Sadat, he yelled for his friend, who came to aid him. Thanks, René said, letting the armor drop to the floor. I'm ready. Let's go. They looked around and realized everyone had left, but found the men assembled just outside of the barn. Toma gave his squad time off in Nineveh, and he was finishing the post-game wrap-up when René and Sadat walked out. René, not sure what his status was, did what he usually did in a strange situation. He pushed his way into the group until he saw Devi standing next to Toma. He smiled and went to him. Hey, Devi. Hi, Toma, René said. The friendly greeting disarmed Toma, who momentarily lost his composure. He just nodded his head in René's direction and continued with his speech. I guess that will be all, Toma said. Are there any questions? No? Okay, you're dismissed. Hey, Devi, are you ready? René was eager to explore the city. You bet, Devi replied. I'm ready, too, Sadat said as he proudly displayed his cylinder. Where'd you get that, Sadat? René asked. Father allows me to use it when I'm out of town. Mother may have another one, René. René was immediately interested. Let's go find her. She's probably with Ishtar. They made their way into the temple to find the person who held the purse strings. Finding Katie was easy, as she was the main event. This was her temple. Katie, Renee said as soon as she was in earshot, we've put the horses and the equipment away. I wanted to let you know that we're going out for a while. Okay, be safe. Are you going with Sadat? Sadat and Devi. We'll have fun, Renee. Meanwhile, Sadat engaged his mother in a plea to secure wealth for his friend. He returned triumphant, happy to have additional spending power in his grasp. He handed Renee his very own family credit card. Let's go, Sadat, Rene said. Further time spent in the temple was unnecessary now. The two excited young men found Devi coming up from the stable. Devi had been to Nineveh before, so they followed him, ducking into narrow, crooked alleyways, barely lit by the waning winter sunlight. Suddenly the smell of smoke, food, and beer wafted over them. Yes, this is the place, Devi said, as he ushered them through the open doorway of a tavern. When he stepped inside, René stopped to let his eyes adjust to the indoor dimness. Painted friezes depicting people partying adorned the white plastered walls. One showed three men sipping beer around a table, another a group of four revelers, each holding a glass high in the air for a toast. On the far wall were male and female forms in various stages of undress. A strong, sexually suggestive piece was of a woman bent over at the hips, reaching for a beer jug positioned on the floor. She was naked, and a fellow was right behind her, unclothed, and sporting an obvious, straight-as-an-arrow erection. He had a big smile on his face. René laughed out loud when he saw it. As they walked further into the room, he saw men sitting in low chairs around a jug set on a small black table. They were sucking up beer through three-foot-long straws. Hey, Devi! The voice came from a shadowed alcove. Over here! Come here! 
Devi recognized his friend Mustafa, sitting with two others. Devi, Rene, and Sadat joined the small group. They were smoking through a hookah, and traces of marijuana wafted through the air. In a short while, between the communal jugs of liquid joy and the massive hits of pot, Rene began to feel right at home. Then he noticed a picture of a winged goddess on the wall, with voluptuous breasts. Is that Ishtar? he asked, but no one understood him. He pointed at the sexually suggestive fresco and said, Ishtar? He giggled when they nodded their heads. It's Ishtar? he asked again, and they nodded, yes. So this is what she looks like when she's partying. No wonder she's so popular. Rene quickly learned how to use his temple credit card. When the young men were full of food, smoke, and brew, they left the tavern and made their winding way back up the temple mount. See you guys tomorrow, Devi waved and headed off to the barracks. It was great, bro. Thanks for hanging. Rene waved back while he and Sadat stumbled further up the hill. The front guard let them in, and they wandered towards Ishtar's quarters. Katie and Rabea looked up as Sadat fell across the threshold into Katie's room. Get up! Go to bed, Sadat! Rabea yelled in Sumerian, harsh enough to clear the alcohol shroud covering his mind. Sadat realized it was a smart idea to make a quick retreat. Okay, good night, everyone, Sadat said as he scurried away, followed by his scolding mother. Good night, bro, I love you, Renee called out. He turned to Katie. Hey, Katie, he said with a slur in his speech. I just learned something. No, I learned more than one thing. Katie smiled at Renee's inebriated enthusiasm. Renee found alcohol somewhere. What have you learned, dear Atsila? Come here, sit down. Sit here, Renee, and tell me. A couple of things, Ugh, Renee said as he plopped down hard on the low bed. First is, oh my goodness, you will not believe it. You're famous. Nineveh is totally a star city. That's nice, Katie replied. But we already knew that, Renee. She grinned again at his state of intoxication. And the city is big, Renee went on, not noticing the sarcasm, with lots of places for young people to go. Oh, which young people? College students? No, soldiers and, you know, young people. And Sadat and Devi promised to take me to some other cool places. Does Devi have permission to do this? You realize he is a soldier who serves Toma. And Toma serves you, Katie, so you can make the rules. You could even make them give me credit, so I could have some fun, too. What do you mean by credit? To buy stuff? Yeah. Renee, they don't have credit cards here, and I will not use my influence to get you into parties. But they do have credit cards here, only they're not cards. They're cylinders that hang around your neck. They're made of clay and have raised pictures on them. When you want something, you pull this thing out and roll it in soft mud like a signature. I don't know what you're talking about, Renee. Anyway, I don't have one. Well, obviously you don't need one. You can have anything. You can do anything you want. He had a point, and it made her think. If this was all about her, she should take time off and rest a little. She needed to, because she was hurting so much right now that even the bad-tasting elixir Rabea gave her for pain sounded fantastic. Realizing she was daydreaming, Katie refocused on Renee's rambling. Sadat read a tablet to me explaining how vital Ishtar is. You are the goddess of practically everything. The date storehouse, the shepherds, and you're the power behind spring thunder showers. Ishtar is the morning star and the evening star. In the morning, she marks the awakening of man and beast, and at 
dusk, she concludes the day's work for men and animals. She is the goddess of love and sexuality, as well as the patron goddess of the harlot <laughs> and the ale house. That's flattering. Wait, Sadat read that to you? Well, not exactly what I said, but close. Why? I didn't know he was a scribe. Having a scribe here is like having your own telephone and fax machine. It is the only way to transmit any kind of information other than by word of mouth. I need a scribe nearby all the time anymore, and Sadat is perfect. Hey, Renee, you smell like beer. Did you drink beer? Just one glass. How did it taste? Can you bring me one? Oh, it tastes great, Katie. It has some fizz, but no hops. It has malt and alcohol made from honey and something else. I forgot. Oh, dates, maybe, or some fruit. It tastes great warm, which is good because there's nothing cold here. And you have to keep your teeth closed when you drink it because it's not filtered. You had a good time, Katie chuckled. I needed this, Katie. I still can't believe what's going on. And I'm not even talking about how we got here. I can't understand how we could suddenly show up and be offered the keys to the kingdom. This is too weird to make up. You know, somehow... We seem to have made all the right choices, even though we didn't ask for it and didn't have a clue what we were doing. I have an idea, Katie interrupted, but Renee wasn't finished. We haven't even been tested yet, you know? We've not shown these people what we can do or why we are here. Renee, we don't know why we're here. Renee still wasn't finished. Hopefully, we can help them before they think it's time for us to go. Maybe we'll run into a dragon and we have to kill it, or we'll fight off an army, and then after proving how cool we are, they'll let us stay here. What are you talking about, Renee? I mean, it's just that it's so unreal. Everyone acts like we just dropped in for an extended stay for the holidays, and I don't know what holidays there are yet. Katie... These people woke up one morning to find us in their temple, all shut up and stuff. A month later, we're running around the countryside with them. This is like a fairy tale. They don't know what to do with us, Renee. We are an enigma to them because, for them, the only explanation for our presence is that we are divine. The priests, Mudad and Nabil, must know this is not so. But even they cannot offer a satisfactory alternative explanation. These people cannot believe we are merely mortal, because there is nothing in their experience to allow them that option. People don't just appear from nothing. Only gods can do that. And maybe some of them privately question whether gods are real. Most importantly, they still can't explain, even to themselves, the reason mortals would be put in the place you and I are in. I know. It was like when we were still little enough to get presents from Santa Claus, but we were old enough to have an idea that Santa wasn't real. What do you do? Your mind wants the truth, but you want the presents. What if no longer believing in Santa would cause the loss of Christmas presents? Now, that's way too scary an event, so it's best not to push the intellectual inquiry too hard. Christmas would become presentless, and all the kids would cry every year. I can see that, Renee. Except for the last part, where you make everyone cry. So we can play God for a while and have the coolest toys. But how long will that last? What happens when these folks realize God isn't here? What happens to us? Renee, you can't waste your time worrying about that. We were born over 3,000 years from now, and people still believe in God in our time. That feeling of needing a protector will still be in the human psyche after we die. Humankind will always wrestle with the fear of going it alone in this world. 
Most people need a higher power to believe in. So worry about other things, Atsile. That's my advice. Rene was feeling the beer now. His head suddenly dropped. He slumped over and promptly fell asleep. Okay, well, good night, Rene, Katie said, and called for men to take him to his sleeping quarters. Their jostling woke him a little. Good night, Katie, he said as they helped him through the doorway. I love you. I will marry her, Katie. Who, Rene? Citri, we're going to get married. Right. Good night, Rene. She closed the door behind him and suddenly felt alone. When she lay back down, she couldn't sleep. Her eyes darted back and forth in the darkness, broken only by flickering yellow candlelight. Her future remained the same, totally, utterly unknown. Rene was finding his way in this new reality. How was it so easy for him? He already found someone to marry. Somehow, he had accepted this new, surreal world while she was desperately clinging to the hope of getting her old life back. As she restlessly rolled over and shifted sideways, she knocked a bowl from the table, and Rabea hurried in. Is everything okay, Inanna? Yes, Rabea. I have to use the bathroom, and I need something else. She sat up and slid her feet over the edge of the bed. Can you find us some beer or wine? We have both. Let's try the beer. I want to catch up to Renee. Bring some for you as well, please. When Rabea came back, she handed her a large vessel full of beer. Thank you, Katie said. At first, she took a small sip of the beer, in case she didn't like it. But it was excellent. No wonder Renee got so smashed. And it was intense, just what she needed. She gulped the beer down, and Rabea drank a little with her. Soon Katie caught up to Renee. Rabea tucked her in and left as Katie fell into a deep and sound sleep. End of chapter. Thank you for listening. You can follow the story on my blog, jeadvm.com. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick my books, and select Katie Becomes Ishtar. That'll take you to the Ancient Katie series of books. Inconvenient Goddess can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book or an e-book, as well as an audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com.